Welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. Hey, stand up with me for the reading of the word, and we're going to get going here. You know how it goes. We start with a portion of scripture. We're walking through the life of King David right now. We finished 1 Samuel, yes, two weeks ago, and now we're in 2 Samuel. And we're going to read a part of this story, and we're going to kind of blast through chapter 2 today. Everybody with me? Let's do it. After this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. David said, to which shall I go up? And he said, to Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, in Hinoiabah, Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Camel. Ah, and David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they anointed King David over the house of Judah. I'm butchering this morning. I'm so sorry. When they told David, it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord because you showed this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Okay, that's good. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active today. Um, Even if your mouthpiece stumbles over it, it's still alive. Um, And it's actually incredibly powerful. It can change who we are and the way we do things, the way we live. Uh, The incredible thing about you, God, is you don't tell us to white knuckle our faith. Uh, You tell us to eat your body and your bread. And Jesus, you are the word, John chapter one. When we consume your word, it changes who we are. We have a genetic change, our makeup changes. We behave differently, we we see differently, we believe differently, and it all happens by honoring your word, by loving your word, by getting it deep inside of us and not fighting it, but digesting it. God, let your word this morning get inside of us. Let it change our DNA, how we behave, how we live. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. High five your neighbor. Give him a good high five. Give him a 70s high five. Thank you, Heidi. Heidi on the keys, everybody. Can we give Heidi a hand, please? Heidi on the keys. Okay. Yes, Heidi on the keys. Who's that loud clapping? Was that you, Dre? Thank you, Dre. That was... Big hands, reverberating. Happy Father's Day, Dre. Happy Father's Day, fathers in the house. It's Father's Day today. I was, I was telling our, uh, our, the leadership team serving this morning, I'm like, aren't we all fathers? Aren't, aren't we all fathers? No, we're not all fathers, actually. We, only some of us are fathers. <laughs> Can anyone be a father? No, they can't. That's actually... Kind of what we stand for, kind of. God made, anyway, not, not, that was last week's message if you want to listen to that. All right, um, building update. We're not kicked out. Yay! <laughs> You're like, what do you mean, Pastor? We were like right at the end of our lease, and the guy was saying he's going to kick us out of the building, and he's just doesn't. I, I, I could tell my lawyer skills came in handy, and I could tell he was bluffing, which he was. And um, he's just like, yeah, you can stay in, stay in there for basically as long as you want. And so anyway, he wants to try to sell the building. So I'd like to buy this building for offices. As you can see, we're out of church, uh, out of space. The church stats are this. Just look around the church. Like, what are we, like, eight, nine, 90, let's say we're 95% full, maybe 93% full. Um, the church stats just say if you're more than 80% full, people won't come. They feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to sit by a stranger. You know, I don't know who this guy is. He could be a serial killer. I don't know him. This is New York City. You know? He's either like on Broadway or he's a serial killer. And I don't know which one it is. (laughs) Matt is on Broadway, in case you didn't know that. He could be a serial killer as well. I don't know. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, (laughs) uh, But that's just kind of so. That's one of the things. We want to get a bigger building because we believe that God wants to touch more people. Um, I don't want to do multiple services because I don't think that creates a cohesive community in Christ where you can find friends and uh, stay connected. I think like the more services you do, the more unlikely it is that you have a cohesive community. People just kind of pop in and pop out instead of saying, this is my family. Listen, if churches want to have 20 services of rock and roll, it's not our style. I don't want to do it. I want a bigger building. It's as simple as that. 
And so please keep praying for that. And we're, uh, I'm hunting literally every week for, for a, a beautiful space. And we think we have one. We're praying for it. Um, second uh, announcement uh, just uh, as related to church expansion is uh, King's Church Charleston. There's a small group or there's a, there's a group meeting tomorrow night. If you have Charleston friends, if you're new here, you know people in Charleston. Please text them and say... Um, King Street Charleston is going to be just bombs, just bombs, bombs all day long. And so please go. We have some friends from King Street Charleston right over here. Matt and his wife, Amber. Hi, guys. Was it Amber? Amanda. You see? Amanda. Amanda. Great teeth, Amanda. Beautiful teeth you have. Am I right? Am I right? I am right. Okay. Um, they're like, we're never coming back here. <laughs> so last week we talked about death culture. And I titled the message, Take No Pride in Death. It was kind of a play on Pride Month, kind of a play on words. Uh, take No Pride in Death. And uh, Francesca texted me, she's like, the next day, she's like, I finally got it. <laughs> um, that was funny, it made me smile. Uh, but the idea was like, the pride issues, the sexual, I, I like to use the phrase sexual anarchy, the sexual uh, immorality in our culture that's so prolific. I think fundamentally it's about uh, having a culture that doesn't support life and family and, and could care less about things like marriage and covenant and family and life. And those are the fundamental issues, a, a, a culture that loves itself and loves death, uh, the hecubus, the snail eating itself, consuming itself for consumptive sake, to kill yourself, to eat yourself, instead of doing the opposite, live for another, give life to another, serve another. That's what fathers do, that's what mothers do, that's what parents do, they live for their children. It's not always easy, but you're laying down your life for this other being, right? So they grow up strong and beautiful and serve God. Habakkuk chapter two, one of the things God desires of man is godly offspring. It's something that we've forgotten as a church, something we talk about. All right, that's it, love you. Listen to that message if you didn't, if you haven't. You're like, Pastor, what's wrong with your tongue? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. It's a Pennsylvania air. You know, we were in Pennsylvania for the wedding, and um, you get out of the city, and you're in Pennsylvania. You're, like, driving through. It's green everywhere. It's blue skies. There's, there's no rats and heroin needles anywhere. As far as the eye can see, there's no heroin needles. And you're like, I love the country. And then you go outside, and it's immediately, like, poison ivy, mosquitoes. <laughs> sunburned, poisonous snakes, as far as the eye can see. I'm like, Leon and Sally, go out to the woods. Go to the woods. And so he comes back minutes later, and his arm is exploded with poison ivy. I'm like, all right, back to the city. Let's go. <laughs> city people here. All right, today is, a, a, um, is a, a day called Father's Day. If you don't have a father, get one. Um, <laughs> I have lots of fathers. I'm not joking about that. I have an amazing uh, father. I have an amazing father-in-law. Jim Anderson is the greatest father-in-law a person could ever ask for. I'm not joking at all about that. Um, one time, though, we were in a boat, and, and, or we were on the dock, and the kids were swimming, and uh, like a, an 18-year-old drove too fast by with um, a jet ski. And he's like, we're going after him, David. Get in the boat. And I was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> And then we're like in this little boat, like going across the lake with a little outboard motor. And the whole time I'm like, are we going to drown him? Like, what are we going to do when we get there? I was terrified. I'm generally, I'm generally okay with the scrap, but that time I was so scared. I'm not used to the water. I'm a man to the land. I don't have sea legs. Um, I have other father-in-laws, uh, father figures in my life, older men that mentor me, that I speak with. Uh, with. One of them, Jack Shoemate, one of my uh, mentors, he was actually my youth pastor um, and boss for about six years. He just came out with a book on fathering. I have, another, I have lots of guys that are older than me that I talk to on a regular basis. And um, we don't generally do that. Sometimes people are like, how do I grow in my faith? Like, how do I grow my business? Well, talk to someone who has a successful business that's been doing it for a long time. That's how you, duh, right? Duh. How do I grow in my faith? Talk to somebody who's been in their faith for a long time and walking with the Lord and has the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Duh, right? Stop listening to 15-year-olds on TikTok. Like, that's not how you grow in your faith. But some of them are great. Some of the TikTok Christian influencers are great. But you, like, we all need a father. We all need a father. We all need somebody older than us that's, that's going to say, you're going to make it. Hold on. 
I believe in you. You have what it takes. We all need that. And if you don't have it uh, because of tragedy, I understand that, but uh, you can get it if you pursue it. Uh, amen? So that's Father's Day. Also, it's this, it's this holiday called Juneteenth. This is a um, relatively new federal holiday, and I have a post on it on my Instagram. I said, I'm really happy to celebrate Juneteenth, the emancipation of, of slaves. I'm really happy to celebrate you know, the 600,000 Americans that lost their lives, that died for the sake of freedom. freedom. I, I'm really happy to celebrate that we have a country that people would kill each other for the value of freedom. I really like that. I, I think the idea of, um, of the black fist on the, the, the Juneteenth flag is evil. I think that's really evil. I think the black power, that phrase, is evil. If you don't think that's it's evil, why don't I just say white power? Why don't I just have a white power shirt on? When I say white power, there's a guttural response inside of you and you're like, oh my God, he said white power, run. But if I say black power, everyone's like, oh, that's cool. No, they're both evil. Jesus power. We're Christians. Jesus power. The cross power. The blood of Jesus power. That's what we do. It's simple, right? It's Jesus power. That's what it is. That's what, we, that's what we're about here. And so um, there's a lot of, I, 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 there's all kinds, of, I'm like, I'm super deep into the Juneteenth thing. I'm super... I have a lot of study about uh, this space. I don't have time to talk about it today. Um, I really don't, but I want to so badly. Um, I, I think the problem is like, it's, 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 right now it's a celebration of division is what it is right now. It's a celebration of division. That's what it is. It's like, let me talk to you about this horror that happened. I was talking to a friend, very close friend, very close believer. I was like, he's like, you know, slavery is so horrible. I was like, do you know there's 300,000 slaves brought to the United States and 600,000 men died in the Civil War to free them, free the slaves? And he just looked at me like, who cares? Like, literally, like, who cares? I'm like, uh, do you know that was 2% of the nation then? Right now, that would be like 7 million people dying for freedom. It was all po political. Listen, everything's always political, but there are also other very serious matters. You can say the abortion issue is only political. It's only for getting voted. No, the, the people care about the life of the baby. The same thing in the Civil War, like the people cared about freeing the slaves. The people who died were dying for the freedom of others. And so that's why I can celebrate it. I have some, a lot of friends that are like, I'm, I refuse to celebrate it. I'm like, why? Emancipation is amazing. Jesus emancipates us from slavery and sin and death and sickness and disease. That's, that's what Jesus does. That's why we have a country that's founded on freedom because it's informed by a Christian doctrine. Do you know there's more slaves right now in the world than there were in 1776? Are you aware of that? Because those nations are not informed by Christianity. A Christian doctrine that believe people are made in the image of God, imago Dei, that they're stamped with value because of God. You're not stamped with value because you're white or because you're black or because you're yellow. Are you even allowed to say yellow anymore? I don't know if you're allowed to say that. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves us of the world. We were supposed to say red and yellow, black and white. We we're allowed to say that now. I don't even know if you're allowed to say yellow anymore. Red and Asian, black and white. Because everything is super offensive. And we have exalted caste and category and skin color and all of these things above Jesus. And in Galatians, the book of Galatians, Paul is just losing his mind because the people are dividing these Christians into different castes and categories and basing value upon how they look, how their outward appearance, right? It's a covered outward appearance, but it's an outward appearance. Alrighty, Father's Day, Juneteenth. What a combo. Um, I was thinking about fathers and uh, I wanna read you the first paragraph of my book um, called Good Kills. And it says this, 
It says, Father kills. If you come near my family to hurt it, know this, I'm father. Mother nourishes, yes, but father, father kills. It is a fundamental statement regarding the nature of the world. Fathers are called to exercise the sword. I was listening to this statement in an audiobook while commuting to my office in Midtown, and the phrase struck a chord in me, perhaps because of the cultural con uh, conversation in favor of the destruction of the patriarchy, or perhaps because there were things in my life that were threatening my family, sin in my life. The simplicity and the power of the statement Father Kills rang deeply and reverberated in my mind for weeks, finally finding its manifestation during a rudimentary theology class where I was subbing for a pastor friend. It was Gabe's brother, actually. I said to the classroom of young adults a, a phrase to the effect of, and we know that good kills. I paused and looked across the room of 120 or so students, and I was mostly met with looks of confusion and mild horror. I too was shocked, but I was shocked at the class's reaction. Did we forget that Jesus holds a sword, that his robe is dipped in blood? Did we forget that there is a grand adventure in Christ, complete with dragons and devils, and not simply self-help chats about how to fix our finances? Did we forget there are dark things that heroes must slay? Happy Father's Day. Paul says this to the, to the church in Acts, in Acts 20, 28 through 30. Keep watch over yourselves and the entire flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise up and distort the truth and draw away disciples after them. Paul is making this appeal as a father to the fathers of the community of the first church, the Jerusalem church. And he says, fathers are necessary to fight off wolves. Amen. He says, wolves are going to come in from the outside. They're going to try to trash you. They're going to try to tear you up. They're going to try to draw you away from a Christ. They're going to try to cause division and dissension. They're going to try to deny the deity of Christ. They're going to try to say this Christian faith thing is not that important. You're taking it too seriously. Take it easy. He said, even from among yourself, your own people, the people that are currently with you right now, wolves will rise up. Werewolves. People get transformed by the night into dark creatures. What a strange symbol. Living at night transforms you into a dark creature. Living in the darkness, chasing the moon. No one, goes to, no one, no one stays up after 9 p.m. at our church, so I'm not talking to you. <laughs> it goes up to 1.30 last night. That's why my tongue is so tongue-tied. Bethany and I, our, our express 17th anniversary was yesterday. Happy anniversary, my dear, I love you. Um, 17 years. You know, 17 years, it's pretty darn good. I thought it was pretty good, and then my friend Charles Stock texted me, and he was like, we just had our 50th wedding year anniversary. I was like, whoa, you can do that? <laughs> I love this quote by um, Yagyu Muninori, Japanese guy. He says, it is bias to think that the art of war is, for, is just for killing people. It is not to kill people. It is to kill evil. It is a stratagem to give life. The stratagem to give life is to kill so that many people are saved, it says this, by killing the evil of one person. David is taking the kingdom. He's taking kingship. And David's a warrior. He's a, he's, he's a sword guy. He's, he likes to fight. But it's not always time to fight. It's not always time to carry the sword. And we have right now a pretty wild world. We have, you know, 
women taking drugs, turning into what looks like a man, giving birth. Like, we have all kinds of crazy stuff. We have, like, crazy politics, crazy church life, all these churches going left, leaving the foundations of doctrine. We have a crazy world right now. I understand, like, it's really easy to get on, set on default fight mode, where everything in your life is a fight, where everything is swinging the sword, where you feel like um, I'm a victim, where you feel like the world is always after me, where everybody out there is your enemy, and you got like this small group of friends, but uh, if, you know, if you take a wrong step, you're going to run into an enemy, he's going to knife you. But as Christians, actually, that's not supposed to be our default. Paul says there are times that wolves are going to arise, so you have to be wise. You have to be willing to carry the sword in the days and seasons to carry the sword. But you can't swing the sword all the time. You can't live like that. The default for the believer is supposed to be joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Listen, like the whole book of Galatians is this phenomenal picture of division coming into the church and trying to destroy the church by the Judaizers who arise up amongst the people of God and Paul goes to war after them. But in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, this is the default setting, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the default setting. David takes the kingship right here in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And the men of Judah came, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And when they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead that buried Saul, David sends out this thank you. The men of Jabesh-Gilead were just after David five minutes ago in the story. They were siding with Saul and helping him try to kill David. David doesn't attack them. He doesn't become king. And he's like, I'm just going to kill everybody now that I'm king. He sends this peace offering to them. And he wants to unite the kingdom. His default is peace. There are times where father kills, but the default of a good father should be peace. Many of us grew up with abusive fathers. Many of us grew up with fathers that were exploding, that had a default of anger. And so correction feels like rejection to us. But our Heavenly Father has a default setting, not of anger, not of frustration, but peace. That's God's default setting in the heavens is peace. When we interact with them, we're not interacting with a God whose default setting is frustration at our behavior and anger and disappointment. But because a lot of us have grown up in that context, that's what we see as Father. The healthiest Christians I know have great fathers. Fathers that weren't abusive and mean and nitpicking over every issue because then you think God is doing that. You think God is nitpicking over every issue and every tiny sin he's so frustrated about. Like you didn't play the piano part perfectly and he's like smashing a glass against the wall. That's abusive. It's abusive. And then it gives us a picture of God who we think he's like that. He's not. He wants the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Not to the increase of his government and judgmentalism on his people. In the increase of his being judgmental, there will be no end. That's not what it says. With the increase of God's kingdom and government, there comes an increase of peace. Good fathers reign in peace. Good fathers don't reign with the sword swinging at all times. It creates a house where there's no rest for the righteous. Where there's no time to lay your head down. Sally wrote me a, Sally and Leon wrote me cards. Actually, Goldie did too. Although hers was just a scribble. With Leon inscribed her desires. But Sally said, thank you, Dad, so much. Thank you, Dad, for taking us on trips. And also just thank you for letting me sit in your lap. I thought that was really beautiful. A good father is not just going to war all the time. A good father sometimes just lets you sit in his lap. The heavenly father is not just a warlord. The heavenly father 
has a throne that he's sitting on. <laughs> and he asks us to come. He's not standing. He's not pacing. He's not nervous about what's happening on earth. It's not like, oh, my gosh. They're going to blow my plans. I'm going to have to rewrite the book of Revelation, you know. <laughs> Send in version two down because Bethany loves to gossip. No, she doesn't. But David's people were war-hungry. David was not war-hungry, but his people were war-hungry. And this book, or this chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 2, is a chapter about lots of unnecessary killing and death because David was trying to bring peace and his guys just wanted to kill. Kill, 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 kill. Love some killing. And I'm a fighter. I like to fight. I like to fight for righteousness. I like to stand for righteousness. But I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live with my sword out all the time. I want to live with the default setting of peace. Amen? Let me read you the scripture. It's a fun one. It's one of these fun scriptures. Verse 12, Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, and the son of Saul went out from Manaheim to Gibeon. Verse 13, and Joab, the son of Zariah, and the servants of David went out to meet them at the pool of Gibeon. So you have Abner. Abner was David's, uh, or was Saul's head guy of his army. That's who Abner is. So just think of the two camps. Abner and homies, David's lead warrior and homies. So these two guys meeting, gang, gang war, gang war, turf war. Abner and Joab, like this is not Times Square Church, we don't talk about gangs here, no. Uh, Abner and Joab, that's a deep, that was a deep cut, if you, kn if you know Times Square Church, gang life, lots of salvation. Anybody get that? All right. A couple of people, thank you. And Abner said to Joab, the young men arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So Abner, gang leader, Joab, gang leader, let's have our guys compete before us. This is not David's plan. <laughs> He's literally sending peace offerings out to people. It's not David's plan. It's Joab and Abner's plan. They're hotheads. And then this is what it says. Then they arose and passed over by number, 12 for Benjamin, and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, nailed that one, and 12 of the servants of David. And each, this is a fun one. This is a fun verse. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in the opponent's side, and so they fell down together. Okay, just like it said just two verses earlier, let the young men arise and compete before us. Like, not compete and stabbing each other in the side. That wasn't, that's not a competition, by the way. They're bloodthirsty. They're ready to go to war. And these guys, after this happens, they all grab each other by the beard and stab each other in the side, then war breaks out. It's skirmish, essentially. David's guys kill 319 of Saul's guys. Saul's guys kill hardly any of David's guys. And then this um, happens. One of David's guys, Asahel, verse 18, and the three sons of Zariah were Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Um, Asahel, let's go with Asahel. This is what it says. Asahel was swift as foot as a wild gazelle. These guys are so into fighting right now. Asahel is like, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill Saul's main guy, Saul's best warrior. You know, po possibly one of the best warriors in the world at the time. I'm just gonna chase him down and kill him. So Asahel starts chasing him. Asahel pursued Abner as he went and turned to the right. He turned not to the right or the left, and Abner looked at him and said, is this you, Asahel? He, uh, by the way, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel are David's nephews. David sets his camp up. He goes to the cave, the cave of Abdullam. We've, we went over that message. His family comes to him. His nephews are some of the first guys that come to him. Joab is one of his nephews, um, and this is another one of his nephews that's going after this guy. Abner's like, yo, buddy. Turn to the right or left. Go get some money. Seize one of these young dead guys and take his money. Asahel would not turn aside from following him. He was consumed with the fight. And Abner said again to Asahel, Dude, 
Turn aside from following me. I'm going to kill you if you keep chasing me like you're going to hurt me. I'm going to kill you. That's what he's saying. He says, why should I strike you to the ground? How can I lift up my head uh, to your brother Joab? I don't want to go, I don't want to do this. So Asahel refuses. He's running. This is, is a funny thing. It's like he's swift as a gazelle. Some people in Christianity are swift to a fight. And we're supposed to be slow to anger. It, scripture doesn't say don't be angry, just FYI, right? Scripture says be angry and sin not. We're supposed to be slow to anger, slow to the fight. Because we, we need time to, to make judgment. That's why the judicial system is slow. I don't know if you know that. It's slow because they don't want hotheads that are emotionally immature to be making judicial decisions. It's a slow process so you can be as calculated and cool as possible. Because we make bad decisions when we're emotional. Bad, bad decisions. That's why Paul says in the book of Titus, one of the things a pastor has to be is chill. You're like, why do they let you preach, guy? No. <laughs> calculated. Not over-impulsive. Not running to the fight every time. But Asahel is sprinting to a fight. It's one of the things that like, just makes me so insane about uh, conservative. Uh, I love conservative media. I love conservative friends. All my friends are hotshot conservative guys. I love all of them. But like every like little thing that's on social media, they just run to it. Like Biden falls on his bicycle and there everyone's like dancing on his head. I'm like, guys, come on, he's 79 years old. What are you doing? That's shameful. That's so shameful. He's the president of the United States. Now, there's things that like, uh, I, like abortion or issues that we fight about that we go to war over. But whereas Christians are not supposed to be sprinting to every fight to dance on the heads of our enemies. We're Christians. We're the Christians. <laughs> We're the Christians in the conversation. I was yelling at people online, not you guys, so just whoever's out there on, on social media that heard my roar. Listen to this craziness. Asahel refuses to turn aside, and therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the butt of his spear, so that the spear came out of his back, and he fell there as he was dead. Like brutal scriptures this Sunday. <laughs> and all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. The idea here is that he's running so fast to the fight that it doesn't even take the point of the spear to pierce the guy. It's the, that's why the, uh, the picture here, the picture image that we have is the butt of the spear. Joab doesn't even want to kill him. He just hits him with the butt of the spear, but he's so crazy sprinting towards his own fight. He's so rabid to be in a fight, he kills himself. And those that live by the sword die by the sword. I started the scripture with, I started the, the sermon with this verse from Paul because we're not shallow. It doesn't mean there's no time to fight. But the default for the believer should be peace and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. That's the fruit. What is fruit? It's something that automatic grow, automatically grows off your life without you having to do anything. Because the Spirit of God is in you. You're communing with His presence. You're forgiven of your sins, so you forgive other people. It's simple. The default other side of that makes me question whether you're in fellowship with Christ. Like, how can you be hanging out with a God that forgives your sins? If you don't forgive other people's sins, you must not be hanging out with that God. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The default in the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have peace in your life, please ask Jesus for it. Please stop meditating to get it. I meditate sometimes. I meditate. There, there's meditation in uh, Genesis chapter, I think, uh, 26. 
you can meditate on the word of God, you can breathe, you can, like, people are like taking drugs to find peace. People are like, can you ask Jesus for peace? It's the fundamental in the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If you're, if you're an angry person, if you're a mean person, like, I need you to know something. Righteousness, peace, and joy are the fundamentals of the kingdom of heaven. You ever been in an angry house where nobody laughs? Have you ever been in a house like that? Like the kids are on guard, everybody, like somebody's going to get slapped at any moment? That's not a house that represents the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the default is righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, so David, why don't you tell me what I should actually fight about and what I should not, because I get it. There's days to fight and there's days not to fight. I want to tell you the things that I believe that we're called to fight about. You ready? This is going to be the three Ds. Um, and this is, this is how you're going to uh, remember the three Ds. I was just thinking, like, there's just so much stuff not to fight about. Uh, you know, there's this, there's this guy, he's got a church out in Long Island, and he has a picture of Manhattan on the website, like right on the website. And I go onto his website, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're in Long Island. What, what is, what's going on here? Why do you have the Empire State Building on the homepage of your, is your church there? No, it's not. It's in a cul-de-sac with deer. What are you doing? Why is that there? Like, I'm the church, I'm pastor of a church in New York City. And you're like, no, you pastor a church in Long Island. Just say that. I'm not going to dislike you for that. I have nothing against Long Island. There are things that are silly, you know. Gabe and I were talking about this the other day. There's a lady, I can't remember her name. She looks like the, the Joker, and she's a famous Christian preacher. I can't remember her name. And uh, I don't care about that lady. Like, she's living her life. She's doing her thing. She's, like, telling people about Jesus. I'm not out to fight that lady. I don't care. She's preaching the gospel. Like people, Joel Osteen, he's like one of the most hated guys in the whole universe. I don't care about Joel Osteen. He's doing his thing. That's not how I think is the best method for, for growing strong Christians. People are like, he's a heretic. I'm like, what's not? I say hell, stop running to the fight or you will die. You who live by the sword, Jesus said, will die by the sword. I was, on a, I was on a website. I was on a famous uh, heretic website yesterday. I made it. I, my face is on it. There's uh, this website called Protestia. And um, great website for tr Christian gossip. Great site. Fantastic. <laughs> and somebody sent me a link. Uh, they were like, you're, you're on here. I'm, I'm speaking at this pastor's conference in August. And... Um, there's a guy named James Lindsay, and James is an atheist. He's speaking at it, too. He's talking about CRT. And um, the, the, the thing said, like, Charlie Kirk hosts pastor's conference headlined by atheists. I was like, that is great, clickbait. That's really good. And then I was talking to Bethany. I'm like, listen, if there was a, a soda that was out there in the world that half of the country was drinking and it gave everybody cancer, I'd be totally fine with that expert that discovered that telling my church, hey, don't drink this cancerous soda. It doesn't matter if he's a Christian or not. I would be happy with him saying that so we don't all die. And Lindsay is probably the world's expert in CRT, and he's going to talk to the pastors about it. I think it's totally fine. I don't care. Who cares? He's not talking to them about atheism. I promise you that. But there's guys out there that literally look for a fight for everywhere. That's all they do. Their whole life is looking for a fight. I, I think they're wolves. A friend of mine, good friend of mine, started a church and I was helping, uh, uh, helping just be an older brother and leading, lead him through some things. And he was doing that as a pastor. He was, um, he was telling people, he was like every week he was blasting some other famous preacher while they're wrong and while he's right. Like, just like, I'm, I'm, kill, I'm, 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 I'm doctrine purity guy. If you're not perfect in your doctrine, you're, you're going to hell. And I'm not kidding, like doctrine purity guy. And then so he created this community, a church, that all the people were doing the same thing. And so he made a, a mistake. He did something stupid. I'm not going to tell you the story, but 
It was rather dumb. It wasn't immoral. It was just a dummy, dummy move. Um, and his church consumed him. They destroyed him, destroyed his life, because he created a community of wolves. He created a community of Asahels that were only sprinting to fights all the time. And I don't want that. Because the default for us is righteousness, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control. When people come to King's Church, actually, they usually say, often, they say often, like, this is the friendliest church I've ever been at. That's what I want people to say. <laughs> I don't want people to say, like, they're the best arguers in New York City. You know? <laughs> they're the most logical arguers in all of New York City. Like, I'm a pretty good, log I'm a lawyer, I'm a pretty good arguer, I'm pretty good at it. I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> That's not one of the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to do it, trust me, I'm going <laughs> to argue. <laughs> But I want to be known for the fruits of the Spirit. When you come and touch my life and you taste what's on my tree, I want it to be righteousness, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control, all of the fruits of the Spirit. All right, David, get to it. Get to the Ds. One second. Um, I was on the same guy's website, the, the Long Islands thing, and, it, and his, his, his website referenced that they were a global apostolic church because they have a YouTube, and I'm like, why do, you, why do you have to say global just because you're on YouTube? Please don't say global. Please don't say global. <laughs> All right, sorry. That was just for me. But I'm not going to fight with that guy. I love him, and we're going to be friends one day. Because that's, he's not one of the three Ds. The three Ds are not wrong picture on your website uh, or any of those kind of things. The first D, I believe, is um, division. The first D is division. When do we fight? Division, first one. Titus chapter 3, verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Wait a second. Like, what? <laughs> People need to get kicked out of churches more often. Way, way more often. Way more often. Division is when you're slandering, speaking poorly about, dishonoring brothers and sisters in Christ, dividing them amongst themselves, assuming negative things about others. So the default about sincere is he's a crook, he's an evil crook. That's what division does. That's why I hate wokeism. Because wokeism is being awake to the possibility of racism at all times and all instances. So every relationship, what I'm awoke to is racism is everywhere. What, I, what I'm awoke to is that uh, I just had a conversation with this person. There's probably racist intent. I'm going to assume the default. So that means the default assumption in churches is that my brother or sister in Christ is default evil. That is division. That creates division. That's why I hate it. That's why I think it's so akin to Paul losing his mind in the book of Galatians. I was thinking about this, like what if we were, a, what if we were like woke to lust? Every conversation has a potentially lustful motive. Like, wow, that would be so gross. Or greed. Every possible interaction has greed motivation. Well, does that not mean that some people are greedy? Of course some people are. But as Christians... The scripture says that we are to regard no man as according to the flesh any longer. So we default assume the best about our brother and sister in Christ. We default believe that their intentions were good even if something awkward happened. We default believe in the goodness and we forgive if there was an error. Listen, six months ago, Gabe had the worst haircut I've ever seen before. He looked like an adult hobbit. And, like, hobbits are cute when they're small, but when they're adult size, they're terrifying, you know? And there's people that are still offended at him because of that haircut. They're still deeply wounded.
you're like, David, that's funny. I, I want to I be very clear here. It's a perfect analogy. If Gabe did something wrong and you're still holding it in your heart, you're a divisive person. If you haven't forgiven him for his haircut, whoever your Gabe is and whatever the haircut is, do you see what I'm saying? If you don't forgive them and love them and hope the best for them, Titus says to go home and leave the church. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. Pretty good. I think pretty good, I think. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Imagine if you had a community that was militant about hoping the best for you. <laughs> Imagine you had a community that was militant about people rejoicing over you and thinking the best of you. And when you have a win, I'm dancing for you. When you have a wedding, even though I'm an awkward man with a Germanic last name, I dance at the wedding. <laughs> to bless you. Listen to me. I didn't dance at the wedding for me. Please trust me on that. <laughs> I'm not in stomp, you know. I danced at the wedding to bless the bride and groom so their wedding would be fun. So they would look back and say, my wedding was such a blast. It was so amazing. Everyone was dancing. The stupid pastor went in the middle of the circle and did the worm. It was so great. I was hearing like some ridiculous gossip. I usually don't talk about this stuff on Sunday morning, about the church. Like somebody was complaining that we don't do enough new songs at our church. And I was like, you know, like other churches, they have a book and they only do those songs forever. Like you never get another one ever again. Those are your songs, the book. I was like, if people are, are seriously offended at this kind of stuff, they need to get saved again. They need to remember that the default in the kingdom of heaven is not criticism, it's righteousness and peace and joy. It's forgiveness. The first D is division. Because Paul says to Titus, if there are people amongst you that are divisive men, kick them out of the church. I don't, we're not supposed to fight over everything. There's only a few things. And there are two more, and the worship team are going to come up. I'm going to be, the next one is super simple. The next D is denying the deity of Christ. It's really not super common in church. Like, people aren't coming around being like, Jesus wasn't cool. You know, they don't do that generally. Um, the deity of Christ is a big deal. And we don't, like, I have friends all over the map, uh, acquaintances, people I hang out with. Um, but I don't, I, I don't have any close friends that, are not, that don't love Jesus. You're a Christian now. Your life should change. Your friends should change. Your whole community should change. If you have people that deny the deity of, deity of Christ, love them, hang out with them, bless them. God bless them. But this is essential. It's very essential for a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to go into it because you all are here at, at a church, so you probably like Jesus, so we're going to keep going. Second D is denying the deed of Christ. First D is division. Third D, um, the third D is what I'm categorizing as deadly sins. Paul says in Peter, there are, Paul says in Peter. Paul says in Peter. Paul doesn't say anything in Peter. Peter says in Peter. Peter says in Peter. It doesn't roll that well, Peter says in Peter. It just doesn't work like that. He says there are sins that lead to death. Uh, and if someone's walking in a sin that leads to death and you're fellowshiping with him, it will get on you. It will corrupt you. It will destroy you. The, the Catholics have these sins. They call them mortal sins. And they say if you practice those, you're not in fellowship with Christ anymore. Like, you know, like killing people. Like if you sh you're shooting people. <laughs> um, serial killer joke. Anyway, deep cut. Um, that's a deadly sin, of course. Right? Brutality. Sexual impurity. And sorcery. I was talking to this guy. This is hilarious. He's like, 
my kids go to a Christian school, and the one teacher is a worship leader at the church, and she's a tarot card reader. I was like, what? Yeah, she's like, and she worships the devils on Thursday nights after bingo. Tarot cards are sorcery. It's literally inviting the demonic into your life. I was shocked by it. The three things that we fight over that I will that I will go to war over was division, denying the deity of Christ, and deadly sins. Because deadly sins corrupt the whole church. Paul is at the Jerusalem council and they're like, what are we going to do with all these Gentiles? Like, we got all these people coming to Christ. How are they supposed to live? Do we give them the whole law? Do they have to follow everything? Do they have to do the festival of booths and like make a little tent on the side of the road to hang out in for the week? He said, I just felt like the Holy Spirit led me and this is what we're going to do. They're not going to eat foods that are given to idols. They're not going to walk in sexual impurity. They're not going to eat, drink blood. Animals strangled is, is what it says. And those three concepts are like sorcery, sexual impurity, brutality. Those are deadly sins. Those are the things I'll fight over. My dad, there's this guy about to divorce his wife. Considered divorce. Pretty big one. I remember my dad, he got in the car with all these elders and they were driving over to this guy's house. It felt like the mafia was going there, you know? It was like mafioso, I was so ha happy. And they pulled this guy out of his house and they threw him in the back of the car with these elders. And it changed his life. And he restored his marriage. He became an elder in the church, one of the pastors, about eight years later. He became one of the pastors of the church. God blessed his business massively. Multi-millionaire now, I think. At least one millionaire. Because my dad knew this rule, there are days where fathers are called to fight. It's not our default setting, but there are times for it. We as a church want to be a church that's fundamentally founded in kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness. Because we have a God that forgave us our sins. It's so dumb not to forgive people. It's like so, it's like the most anti-Christian thing you can possibly do. It's founded on forgiveness. And that yet we live in life in relationship with people where they did something wrong and I have I don't forgive them. I walk with animosity or frustration, anger towards them. There are days to fight. But I want to live the default life of peace and joy in Jesus Christ. Amen? Stand with me, church. We're going to take a moment to worship, and then we're going to receive communion. And I want you to take communion to examine your heart. For I want you to look in your heart for Gabe's haircut. I want you to look for instances of offense where someone offended you probably gave he just said <laughs> and release forgiveness in jesus name amen thank you for listening to our podcast we really believe that god wants you to know him in a personal and tangible way if there's any way we can assist your journey please reach out to kcnyc.org